welcome to stat i'm telling you all medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre karen wickiam yeah she used to work in er and now she's sharing the knowledge so let's get involved hey funny and scary at the same time medical mysteries all facts she ain't lying <laughs> so tune in the stat if you dare because crazy things can happen anytime anywhere <laughs> yeah Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. This is Karen Wickiam, and I am your host of STAT, Shocking Traumas and Treatments, coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Well, have I got a treat for you today. The following is an interview that I had with a friend of mine by the name of Stacy, a fellow nurse who was formerly friends with Elizabeth Wetlawfer. This interview is incredible. Stacy is an amazing person and she gives a very unique insight into the mind of a serial killer or at least what it's like to be in the presence of a serial killer. So without further ado, let's just get into it. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Pretty good. I'm talking to Stacy today because she was a friend of Elizabeth Wetloff. And I just want to hear her perspective. She has obviously a unique perspective of this woman that no one else probably knows. Okay, Stacey, you want to tell a little bit about yourself? I am a nurse, and I live in a small community with my best friend, and I work in mental health. So having a nursing background, did that sort of, how, is that how you met Elizabeth? By by because you were both interested in nursing, or how how did you actually meet each other? So we lived in the same apartment building in Woodstock, and she had always bragged about being a nurse and told me about how wonderful it was. And I knew that I needed to be in a job where I wanted to help people, so I chose to go to school a little bit later in life. So you feel like the way that she talked to you and about nursing and stuff like that, did that inspire you in, in some way to want to get into nursing? Partly, yeah. Yeah. She told me about how heartwarming it was to be a nurse. And I knew I didn't want to do the same kind of nursing as she did, but I wanted to be able to be in healthcare. So okay, that was part of the reason. Are you able to tell me what she was like? How, how do you came about being friends? Obviously, there was something that you really liked about her or else you wouldn't have become friends. So, sure. So she was, actually, she was really outgoing. She was friendly to everybody. She, we met her down, we had an apartment that had a swimming pool at the back, so we met her actually at the pool, um, and just became really fast friends. So we would have dinner at each other's apartments every so often. We would hang out um, in the area at different places. Uh, She would come over and have a few drinks. Um, every now and again, she baked a lot, so she would bake a lot and, and share that. And she was always one to help out around the building with different um, people that live there, different residents that live there. So, so you saw a completely different side of her than I guess everybody the world sees her as now. They see her as a evil serial killer, but it sounds like you obviously had a very different experience with her. No, I did see a different side of her. Uh, was in total disbelief when I found out what she had done and the crimes that she had committed because she was not like that knowing her as a friend. And her parents were everything to her. She would have done anything for them. So it's odd to me 
Um, and like I said, I was in disbelief when I heard what she did and, and who she did that to. I got to ask the obvious questions here, but, um, and I, I mean, absolutely no disrespect, but, but I, I still, I still want to ask them. Did you see any signs of her having any kind of addiction problems, like drinking problems, uh, just, uh, prescription drugs in, in any way? Um, I would say drinking. Yes, because she didn't really know when to stop. I never saw her with any, kind of like drugs or anything like that she wasn't a smoker she didn't smoke like anything no marijuana no nothing so I only saw her drinking and when she did it was usually like over the limit so okay now at the time was she married or had she my understanding is that she really struggled with her identity and her sexuality that um, she loved and was attracted to women and I guess her religion, um, her religious background sort of gave her a lot of trouble with that. You know, she was vacillating back and forth and her parents sort of were in denial about that. So when you knew her, was she married or, or was she you know, out, so to speak, and more comfortable with herself? So when I knew her, she um, had expressed that she had dated men before and she had a woman coming to stay with her and she said that she followed for this woman very quickly and I had actually watched the W5 special that was about her at the documentary and had her ex-partner in there who told a bunch of lies about how how Beth was um, extremely aggressive and violent and rude and arrogant and that just wasn't her it was actually the other way around and I only know that because I was witness to that and I saw that happen and I saw Beth get hurt from this partner and I saw this partner talk to Beth the way you should never talk to your partner or somebody that you say that you love um and this person did a lot of like abuse financial and emotional and that sort of thing to Beth so I saw the other side of it so so she was in a, a really abusive relationship yeah, with a woman. Okay. Yeah, the, the same woman that said that Beth was the abusive one. I had voiced my opinion a few times with that, so that didn't last long, the relationship. Was she working at Crescent Care then? Do you know? She was. So I knew her from probably uh, 2009 up until about 2012 is when I kind of knew her. Okay. Like knew when I spent time with her and that sort of thing, so... And over that um, three-year period, was. did she ever talk about any deaths that, that happened there and, and that maybe that she was upset about, that kind of thing? Well, she always did, but it's because, well, for me, what I assumed was because she um, had a passion for what she did and for geriatrics, now learning that um, it was a little bit more um, dark than what I thought. I didn't know anything like that i knew that she had written poetry because i had read it before um but nothing spoke to me in a way that it would have been like about the crimes that she was committing or anything like that so yeah i've I've read her poetry as well and i think uh there was there was two one called inevitable and i think that was done later much you know than probably when you would have known her and i guess maybe when things had progressed quite a bit and, and yeah, and it's not un, unusual for for someone in healthcare to talk about people passing and and feeling bad about it. That's that's just part of the job, right? Um, 
Right. Especially in a, a care home or a nursing home, people do pass. They do, they do die. So I guess that's tough. Like, so she might have been talking about some of the patients that she uh, killed. You just would never have known it at the time. It sounds like. No, and she had never come to me or said anything about that. She did mention that she had some depressive like episodes and. I do know that she went through some times where she didn't leave her house and she had been down sometimes and then that's when she would drink. But then I would see her like completely like happy and almost in a manic state. So she would be like from one extreme to the next. So I don't know if that's when she was doing these things. I don't know if she was down when she was doing these things or if she was up when she was doing these things. But I do notice that there was like a, it was like a roller coaster of emotions with her. Yeah, I mean, ne- neither one of us are psychiatrists combined. We know a-, a bit about it. So, you know, maybe you saw her having some, maybe some type of like bipolar type behavior. Is that is that what you're saying? That you saw her have really highs and really lows or that kind of thing? Yeah, she would have like really highs and she would have really lows. Now on her lows, sometimes she would get angry and snap but it would never last long okay and she could easily talk herself kind of out of that she had like animals at her house that she loved and like i said with her parents she was she was like their number one fan so she would have done anything for them and it was obvious and maybe that's where some of her struggles were be you know with her sexuality and her parents being so religious wanting to make them happy that would be a kind of a tough thing to go through i can only imagine Again, I'm, I'm just speculating because it's when you when you hear about something like this, the first thing that comes to my mind is how how does this happen, especially being a nurse. You know, myself, being a nurse, I'm thinking I, I could never harm anybody. Uh, you as well. So it, it, I just I can't even imagine how someone gets to that point. So how did you feel if you don't mind me asking when you when you found out? Like I mean, you mentioned it that you you were shocked, but. Can you tell me how you oh. felt out and then and what you felt after? Sure. I found out actually on the news. I was watching the news and the story came up and I immediately went to the washroom and I was physically ill. I'm sorry. So that's okay. Um, I think that everybody deals with something like that a little bit differently. And for me, it was emotional. For me, it was I didn't believe it at first. And then when I found out that she admitted it, it, I was in shock, and I was in shock for a long time, and I didn't even want to admit that I knew her. I felt differently. I felt very, very, very sorry for those families and for what they had to go through. And Something obviously was going on with her. Uh, and, and the thing is, what I've learned in all my, my studying with this is that oftentimes people can, you know, they dissociate. They have that wonderful, loving personality that people would never suspect and then they're a cold-hearted killer in the other end, right? Um, right. And and then they they do the the murder or or the, the 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 abuse of some sort, and then there's that cooling off, and they're back to their kind of regular self, sort of so to speak. And it, it okay. sounds like this is like what was going on with her. Sounds like it. I just um, I feel like there's still there's still moments where I think like, is there more people that she hurt? Is there different jobs that she had that haven't been investigated if if you know did she hurt anybody that she wasn't looking after well i don't know anything about that so well i just saw a recent article that lined up her shifts uh 
And when people had died within 24 hours of her shifts, and they're up to 180 now. Oh, my goodness. Now, that doesn't mean that, that she did that she murdered 180 people. But it's kind of scary once you know, right? Exactly. And when you feel like, um, like, I still struggle sometimes because I know, like, I spent a lot of alone time with her. And I spent time where, you know, she she made a pass at me one time and was angry that I didn't um, react to that. And so, like, I've seen her be angry really quickly. And then I think, like, well, if she had done that to other people that weren't vulnerable, if she had done that to, you know, like, somebody like me, that could have been me in that situation. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I sometimes struggle with the fact knowing, like, I know that she she did this horrific, horrific act to these people that were so vulnerable. But did she hurt somebody that wasn't? Or, did she, or could she have done that? Like, maybe it would have progressed to people closer to her. Yeah, and thinking, like, that could have been me in a position like that because I did experience, like, I mean, I only experienced her anger once when it was directed at me um and she was drinking at that time but other than that you know she was she was fine but then i wonder like how what if that had gone a little bit further than that what if it had what if i had angered her to the point where she had snapped and i was vulnerable because i was alone with her so there is that kind of like i think about that once in a while and i struggle with that once in a while that's that's really scary you were alone with her, you were vulnerable, and she was angry, and you saw that, that anger come out. And the thing that I've spoken of on many different occasions is that I think that people in healthcare are the most dangerous serial killers out there, or, or killers. Because we know what to give people. <laughs> we know how fast something can work, or something over time. Who's to say she didn't have anything in her home that could have I don't know, harmed you or, or really hurt mm-hmm. you or hurt you over a period of time. So I'm just really glad to hear that nothing like that did happen to you. But that must be mm-hmm. scary as hell. Well, it, I mean, it is. And there was a time where she had um, like come away with a group of friends and there was some seniors there. And I worry that something would have happened there as well. So it's just like all those things where I think I was in a position with her or she was in a position with of people that I knew and that I cared about and that sort of thing. And just thinking like that could have been, I could have put somebody in, you know, in the, uh, in the way of danger, not knowing it. It sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, obviously, but it, it sounds like maybe you have a bit of survivor's guilt in a sense. Yeah, for sure. I do. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, when I, when I ended up taking a job where I had to travel and I had a small dog, I wasn't able to take that dog with me. And she was kind enough to adopt that dog. And I knew that she loved that dog more than anything. But now I'm thinking, I mean, she did it to people. How do I know she didn't do it to the animals? Or how do I know that she didn't hurt animals? But I know that this animal was well taken care of. And I know that she had um, given him to a friend of hers two days before she was arrested. So that gives me some kind of, I don't know if it's closure or makes me feel... Peace of mind kind of thing? yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when someone can harm such vulnerable people in a job where we're in the highest position of trust ever, people, literally their lives are in our hands. It makes you wonder if you can harm such vulnerable people, what can you do 
period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I've read and I, and I even heard, I, I listened to her police report or when she was interrogated, her talking about how a lot of this came because she was angry. Uh, one particular patient was inappropriately touching some of the staff there. And he was saying some pretty terrible things, I guess, in his dementia about his wife. And she said that she felt like uh, something come over her. And she knew that she was going to take care of that, that she was going to kill him. So I could see being in, you, you saw that anger, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I wow. saw that anger just, you know, once directed at me. But like I said, when she got super angry, sometimes she would just shut herself in. So I don't know if that was the time where she was shutting herself in at home because of what she was doing at work or not. I couldn't say, but uh, I mean, this this is just such a, a horrible situation, and uh, this this has obviously affected you greatly. And I'm sorry that you've had to go through this. Okay, I've uh, I've learned to, with the help of some counseling and that sort of thing, I'm learning to um, learning how to work through that. So I, there's, I have a lot of pictures from, from my past that I've had to kind of let go of and almost breathe, which is fine. And learning how to just understand that it, it's like a sickness and she is being punished and, um, just feeling a lot of emotions for those families and what they have gone through. It's a known fact that when, when someone like I say, there's a serial killer or a murderer, the family and friends of that murderer often get treated terribly as well. Like, how could you not know that your son was like this? And what did you do to cause him to be that way? And that was your friend. How could you not know? And people forget that when all is said and done, the ones that knew the killer are grieving the loss of not only what happened to those people, but grieving the loss of their friend and their friendship or or their their son, their daughter, whatever, because they did have a completely different relationship and they didn't do anything to cause it. So oftentimes, you know, you, you hear like what you're saying, like how difficult for you to, to know her in one sense and then have to come to grips with the fact that she also did this awful stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, it would have been a lot different had I known or had I seen any kind of red flags or any signs that she was the person that they say she is. Um the path would have been a little bit different for me. When I left um, the city, like when I left Woodstock and I left the city, I also left that friendship. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and it was because at that point it was becoming more of a having to look after her while she was uh, drinking and having to kind of just know to keep my distance because she was shutting herself in more often. So I don't know if that's where it was coming to an end or... So you're That's where she's starting to feel like guilt or what it was, but so I guess what you're saying is that your friendship started to deteriorate a bit, and you had to sort of take care and protect yourself from the fact that she was deteriorating. She was getting sicker, it sounded like, and she was going into alcoholism, and and she had been hitting on you, kind of thing. And so is that that kind of like started to uh, cause your your relate your friendship to deteriorate a bit. Like, well, it's, it definitely causes strain on the friendship, for sure. Okay. And I mean, just, I know you to be the kind of person that just doesn't walk away from people. I know that you're a very loyal friend and 
caring friend and it would take a lot for you to to have to to take some space from somebody well she also like i like i said when i took a job where i had to travel she adopted my dog at the time so it was hard to see him as well but um and then i took a job where i completely moved out of the city so when i did that it was my opportunity to just have to take that space Mm -hmm. and and allow her to be able to do whatever she had to do in her life, whether that was to get help, which I offered many a times to take her for. Um, and I don't know if after I left, if she had gotten help, but I know that she clearly was very, very, very sick. Well, I mean, it sounded like she had a struggle with, uh, you know, internally with herself going back and forth because I know she started to tell people and people were like, Oh no, no, this is a lie or, or, you know, I can't, you know, I think she, she spoke to a pastor and he's like, well, God bless you and don't do it again. And then a few other friends she told, and I, I think people just didn't believe her, but I can't even imagine how those people would feel after the fact, like, holy crap, she was telling the truth. It often makes me wonder whether people didn't believe her or whether people, I mean, sometimes you would kind of think with her whether she was saying things for attention or she did not have a big group of friends at all um she had a couple close friends and that's about it so you have to wonder did she say these things to kind of like get attention or to um look like a different person than what she was um and then when she finally told somebody that went to the authorities that's or was she in the hospital when she told somebody um well i know that she told a few people but i think it was when she was at CAMH and uh, started opening up to the staff there. And I think she even wrote, wrote like a four page confession and then they, they took it to the police and then she just said, yeah, you know, um, I'm ready to tell you. Yeah. I'm not understanding why, like, and now because I work in the field that I work in, I'm not understanding why she's been moved to like a medium secure center as well. Yeah. People so, are up in arms with that. I guess when they see someone as a, who's a killer or a violent killer, leaves a what do you call it high security security. yeah place and then move to something that they may think is you know uh, a little bit kinder and gentler and bit of a a better life but if she's truly as sick and has that i think she's been diagnosed with borderline personality bipolar and a few others that you know straight out punishment in a in a a prison is not necessarily going to help her Right. I just feel like she's getting exactly what she's always wanted, which is the attention she's always wanted. And now she's able to like do gardening and do baking and do all these things that she's always loved to do. So basically, she's pretty much getting everything that she that she wanted. So, so how do you feel about that? Well, I'm angry about that, that because I don't feel like she has really paid a price to what she's done to these families. And so I see it from both ends. I see it from the end where... She was a friend, and she was nothing like what, um, you know, what her ex-partner said she was, not to me anyways. Um, and she, at, at, you know, at the time, we knew her, she was a kind individual. To then doing all these, to like committing all these murders, and and she's not in a max security for very long before they move her to a place where she gets everything that she wants. So she so truly is that, living a, a much more comfortable lifestyle. And, you know, people that have borderline personality, it comes down to that. They're very narcissistic. And, you know, let's forget what might have caused it. The fact is 
they tend to, well, I mean, there's different, God, I, I can't just sum it up as, a, as something as simple as that, but often it's, you know, about, about them, right? And getting the attention, being the center of attention and having things their way. Um, there's different types of borderline, but so it sounds like she got, like you said, she murdered and got everything she wanted. And you have to wonder, like, is she, it makes me wonder now, like, now that I've had time to process, now that I've had time to talk to people about it, um, like professional counseling about that and stuff, it makes me wonder whether she is like a master manipulator because it feels as though um, that's what she's doing. And and like I said, she's getting exactly what she wanted, exactly what she wanted. She wanted attention. She wanted to be able to bake. She wanted to be able to garden. She wanted to be able to do all these things. Um, and she's like surrounded by people which is something that she needed in her life. Do you, do you think that she was possibly manipulating you when you first met her, or maybe she just hadn't got to that point yet? Mm, I'm not easily manipulated. Well, yes. So, Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I don't think that she was manipulating me. She was... Yeah. They say even sometimes the worst people in the world, sometimes they have a tiny bit in good of them, right? So maybe that was a point in time, what you saw was truly a, a, a goodness in her before whatever happened or whatever led her down that path. The reason why I know is because she um, was a big part of my wedding day in 2010, where she did a lot of the baking and she did a lot of the speaking and she did a lot of the, like a, a lot of the extra things that she didn't have to do. So I saw that side of her, which was super helpful and super um, generous and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, I saw that, but then it was when I was with my ex, my now ex, when I was with her at the time, that's when I was hit on by Beth. And so that's why it kind of made me think, like, something's not right here, so. Yeah. Yeah. I know this is going to sound crass, but not a lot of people can say they had a serial killer at their wedding. Yeah. yeah. I, I tend to try and forget that, and, I, and I'm, I'm lucky that I don't have to look at those pictures all the time. I didn't um, mean it to be a jerk, honestly, but it just goes through my mind like, holy crap. She was there no, as a friend, hard. you know, but still... <laughs> Well, it's hard to believe that I um, that I knew somebody that was so capable of that sort of thing too. Because that's and that's just it is that we don't know. We don't know who's standing beside us in line at the bank. We don't know who's you know who's standing at the library with us. We don't we don't know these people. We don't get inside their heads, so we don't understand sometimes what people are capable of. And so the the best I remember is the one that was. Um, you know, at my wedding wearing her tie-dyed shirt and reading poems and baking cookies and sometimes would come over for dinner. And the, the best that I knew was the one that loved her parents, like, immensely and the one that looked after my dog when I had to travel for work and stuff like that. That's the best that I know. So that's the best that I choose to remember. However, now I know that this Beth was also a monster and took a lot of lives and she didn't have the right to do that. So I'm, I'm, you know, it's dealing with two sides of it. That's got to be really hard. Well, I, that's kind of why I've been able to get a little bit of help in regards to the the whole situation because I've needed it because yeah. I, you don't know how to you don't know how to react when something like that happens and you don't know how to 
like how do you just bring that up to your friends and say you know this girl that that killed all these people and then took all these people's lives and took people's parents from them when she loved her parents the most uh, was the person that I you know lived in the same apartment with and we lived like 10 feet from each other and we talked to each other daily and that doesn't we really leave you a lot of people to be able to share that with. No, no. Yet here I am. <laughs> well, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you, you've gotten the help and, and you're working through it. I mean, a lot of people, I think, would, would probably just want to put that in the back of their head and never think of it again. And it takes a lot of courage to, to just jump in and say, I, I need to work on this. And, and I, again, I'm sorry that, that you went, went through all of this. Okay. I guess one of my fears is that do you have you ever heard of Vincent Lee? No. I don't know if you back many years ago he decapitated someone in Manitoba on a bus. Oh yes, 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 and now he's living in a group home. Yes. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. It makes me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I love Canada, and <laughs> I'm a proud Canadian. But sometimes I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. But then that's a whole other ball of wax. You know, he's medicated. He's this and that, and I'm thinking, ah. And he wasn't medicated, and he was diagnosed schizophrenic. Yeah. So, for me, that's... And, I mean, like, I am involved in, in, in mental health for my career, right? So, for me, I look at those things differently. But then I still question, like, how that process was so fast for him. Yes, like, you're right. It, it so happened fast. in no time. It was a few years later only. It makes me think of... Um, you know, you're just a number sometimes, and sometimes people, I mean, I'm talking about in, in society, Yeah. and people that are diagnosed with an illness that is that severe and they're unmedicated, it's so dangerous, and it's a lot of the crimes that are committed from people with mental health issues are diagnosed schizophrenics that are unmedicated, and there's a lot of reasons for that, a lot of reasons why people don't take their medication and I mean, like, yeah, we live in Canada, and it's great, but sometimes people aren't covered for medications. No, it's true. And they desperately need it. Especially so. when they're really expensive ones, or it requires them to go have regular appointments with their doctor, and if they choose not to, then they that's it. They're they're unmedicated, and they're back, unfortunately, to exactly. that, that way of thinking. Um, but, yeah. But, well, thank you so much for talking to me. This is can't be easy for you to do this, so I really appreciate it. No problem. And it really helps other people sort of see both sides of, of the story. And so, yeah, thank you so much, Stacey. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you have it, folks. A intimate insight into what it's like to be a friend that you have no idea has dark, deep, ugly secrets intentions and I don't think there's much more to say than that I appreciate Stacy being so open and honest and transparent on what she had gone through and what she experienced and to help us understand that you know this could happen to any one of us this can happen to any one of us being ill on the other side of the, the, the nursing care being vulnerable or knowing someone or even being a relative of someone 
who is a serial killer, a murderer, a monster. And generally we are taught to look for the good in people. And when we hear something that seems so outrageous that we're often taught to not go there with that, be reasonable. But as many of us true crime people know that we maybe think a little bit differently, but I wonder if I would have known because I know Stacy and she is a hard nut to crack. So if she didn't pick up on it, I don't know who would have. So again, thank you to Stacy for the interview and helping us to understand a little bit about what is going on inside the mind of a serial killer. And on that note, bye for now. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Love yourself. Love one another. Peace. One love. True crime and it gets none realer. Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill you. Gotta watch out. Yeah, you gotta watch your back. Cause you don't wanna be another episode on stat. Thank you for tuning in. Learn a thing or two. These medical mysteries can be unbelievable. Yeah, subscribe. Make sure you do that so you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show. Stack. <laughs>